Welcome to the Crosswalk Community Church Podcast. Some of, you know, like 
Brad and Kathy and um, Jordan and Bob Lindsay and some people, but I just want to encourage you guys that um, you know, your pastor and his wife and his family, they're really kingdom-minded. And, and believe me, and, and there are encounters and experiences that my wife has had where that is not true for all pastors and leadership in churches. It's sad. It's very sad. I know that. But it can become territorial. It can become protective. It can become very, you know, poverty, kind of orphan thinking. Like, I have to hold this mine, and you are not going to take it. And, and here, I'm going to, I got a word for you. This is the Lord's church. It's the Lord's, it's one body that the Lord is returning for. And so the sooner we wrap our mind around that and give our heart to that, the sooner we will begin to walk in agreement with God's heart. So um, I just want to honor them. It is not easy. It is not easy to invite someone like me to come speak at your church when, you know, the congregation is not familiar with me and my family and you can see I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. What you see is what you get. I'm not putting a front on for you guys. This is who I am. 24-7, 365. This is who I am. And so, a lot of times congregations get a little uncomfortable or uneasy with that. So I honor um, Pastor Keith and Jamie and all of you for sitting and, and just, um, you know, giving your time on this Sunday. So, yeah, so we're going to, um, I have a couple, um, we're going to pray and then I have a couple prophetic encouragements. So, Let's just pray. Can we just pray? Um, I have a message prepared, but ultimately we want to be in agreement with what the Lord wants to do. Always. So let's just pray. So, yeah, Father, we thank you. Jesus, we honor you this day. And we say you and you alone are worthy of our time, of our adoration, of our prayer, of our resources. And we fix our gaze on you, Jesus. And we ask that you would come and that you would encounter our hearts that we would never be the same. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in this congregation upon our hearts, that you would ready our hearts to receive the word and to receive whatever you have for us. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. Amen. Where's the, um, the lady that was me in the back? What's your name? Moy? Yeah. Kristen? I feel like when you were working in the Lord, gave me the scriptures that the pure in heart shall see God. And I feel like the Lord is saying that He sees your purity and your faithfulness and it moves His heart. And then you are going to begin to encounter the Lord in new ways. So, 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 I, I want to be, I want to be, I'm, I'm going to be really transparent. Some of you, that, that was just a prophetic encouragement, okay? But there is accountability and responsibility in prophetic ministry. So if you're like, that dude is dead wrong, that never happened, okay, then hold me accountable, okay? But I believe the Lord is saying that I'll do it. And so, and then also I have a prophetic encouragement for this house as a whole. I believe um, that this house, that you guys are building here, a house of family, and that family is the banner over this house, and that you are a church and a congregation that will receive people as they are, regardless of their plight in life, that you will receive them, and that you have in this house, there's an anointing of compassion on this house. And compassion is a core value of Jesus. And that this house moves in family and in compassion, and from that place, you are actually going to begin to see the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the Holy Spirit manifest in this house. So I, I just encourage if, if 
Once again, the same thing I said, said to her, I, I'll stay again over this house. Hold me, right, for responsible because there's great responsibility and accountability that comes in prophetic encouragement and those things. But I believe that that's what the Lord is saying over you. And he, he actually gave me, um, I'm just going to read, read it real quick. Um, in, in out of the scriptures, he gave me, um, I was reading Luke 14. We're going to go out, out of Luke 14 today, but um, in Luke 14 is the parable of the great banquet. And I felt like that was a word. That's not what we're preaching from today, but that was a word that the Lord was given um, that I felt like he was speaking over his house. Where, you know, they, they give this banquet and some of the people are like, I'm too busy. I got, I got stuff to do. I just bought oxen. I just bought a field. I, I'm too busy. And then ultimately, the, the, the master of the feast says, you go and you get the lame, you get the crippled, you get the blind, and you bring them in here. And I feel like that's the word of the Lord over this house. So, yeah, so, um, so receive that. Once again, if you're like, that guy's crazy. It's all right. But, you know, I think I'm crazy, but we're brothers and sisters doing the same thing, though, so. Yeah, we have that crazy brother and sister uncle, right? Yeah, I'm still not an uncle. I've got a crazy uncle. All right, so we're going to jump in here. Um, I'm going to preach or teach today on, um, if you want a title, if you're keeping notes at home, don't worry, it's all right if you're not. Um, I'm going to just say uh, the way of the kingdom, if you want a nifty topic. Okay, so um, we're going we're gonna to start, uh, we're going to go to Luke 14. We're not going to read it just yet, but we're, that's where we'll start. I just want to um, present something to you. You know that there's going to be... Typically, in our life, there's going to be three things or three options that we choose from, and that, that one option is going to be the theme of our life. Number one, the first option is we can choose, either consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, to reject Jesus, reject Christianity, reject the kingdom of God. You know, whether that means when, uh, someone is an atheist or someone openly says, yeah, God might be real, but I'm not interested in that. So you're rejecting Jesus. The second option is, um, and the second and the third option is where we'll sit today. If you're in the house of the Lord today, um, you may probably believe in Jesus. So it's a good place to be. If you don't, and you're like, I don't know about this Jesus guy, sorry, come see me, we'll have a conversation with you. The second option is what I call the add Jesus option. You're like, I got a good life. I got you know, the house, I got two kids, I got the car. I just want to take Jesus, and I want to add him to what I got going on. And many of us have been in this. Many of this. Many of us struggle with this. Many of us are cool with this. Like this is great. This is what I like to, to um, refer to as American Christianity. And then the third option is um, in my notes. I wrote die. <laughs> third option is actually the gospel of the kingdom, which is dying to self and taking on the life and, and uh, uh, being obedient to the life and the commands of Jesus Christ. So those typically, those are your three options that as believers and or non-believers that we are presented with. We can choose the gospel of the kingdom in our life, and we'll get into what that means, but the gospel of the kingdom is this. Jesus is king. That means he's in charge. So what he says, I do. Where he goes, where he leads, I go. Jesus is not democratic. Did you guys know that? 
Did you know that he's the king of the kingdom? And I don't know if you're aware of this, but us, as good Americans, we love democracy, we love American values, everyone gets a vote, it's equal for everyone. Jesus is like, man, what's that? I'm the king, and it's my kingdom, and what I say goes. And so we, as Americans, oftentimes we're like, I like Jesus, but I like, I like me, everyone having an equal vote, and me being able to decide what I get to do. And Jesus is like, you can live that in and out, in and out, in and out all your life, but ultimately there will never be true fulfillment in that. True fulfillment comes, I like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, bringing my theologians in here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has an amazing quote, and it says this, Christ bids men to come and die. Let that marinate for me. Yeah, he's like, this guy's a weird. But, so Jesus, in the gospel of the kingdom, what is a kingdom? Kingdom, quite literally, a kingdom is this. The king's domain. That's what kingdom means. That means that Jesus, as king, he has a domain. And we know that all authority is in Jesus' hand. That means all of everything is Jesus' domain. And so if we, if we're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, that means, in essence, what you're professing with your mouth is, I adhere to the teachings of Christ, and I follow this man named Jesus. So when we profess differently, we say, I'm a Christian, and then we go on and we live our life in the way that we want, you're actually lying. Because that's how Christianity is. And I know today, especially in American, Western world, Christianity is, is cultural, right? If you're American, you're Christian. That's not true. And so, I want to encourage us today, as we get into Scripture, um, I'm, I'm equally trying to be like lighthearted, and at the same time, I'm still being like, come on, come on, dude. You know, so, some of you love it, and some of you are like, that guy makes me really uncomfortable. So, that's okay. So, I want to encourage you, in, in you know, the American dream is a lie. You know that, right? The American dream, right? You get the, you get the good education, get the job, you know, work 30 years, raise your two or three kids, retire, collect seashells, go play golf. That is life. No, it's not. That's a lie. That is a lie that's been perpetrated in culture to get people on the, the rat wheel of, you know, fatigue and anxiety and stress and whatever. Now, look at this. Those things are not bad. All those things are not bad. But what I'm saying is this. Jesus is saying, I know, Matthew 6, right? I know what you have need of. But I'm saying this. Seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, and I will add these things to you. We don't have to do that at the inverse. We're like, Jesus, I'll get all my needs taken care of, and then we can have a conversation. Then I'll spend some time with you. Jesus is like, that's actually idolatry. So, so, the lie of the American dream is this. I have my perfect American, democratic, Western life, and then I just get to like sprinkle Jesus on top, and nothing ever goes wrong. It's amazing. And then when I die, I just go to heaven. This is perfect. But the problem with that is when things begin to be removed, you lose your job, someone dies, you get sick. What's, what's the number one lie perpetrated by the enemy? God, how could you do this? God, you did this. 
God must be mad at me. God must be this, that, and other. God, you know, God gave me this sickness. God cured this person. God did this. God did this. And the devil's like, my job's done here. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying this, that we need, as the American church as a whole, we need to shake ourselves out of apathy and laziness. And I'm preaching to myself. Apathy and laziness and say, Jesus, I present you first and foremost in my life, and I am going to go after you. I'm not seeking just your hand. I'm seeking your face. I want your presence. I want your ministry. I want your leadership because you are the perfect king. How many of you in here have seen the lion and the witch in the wardrobe? Anybody seen this Right? There's a part in that where we're talking about Aslan. You know, the, the lion, Aslan, if you see it. And they ask this question, is he safe? Anybody knows? And they said, oh, no, he is not safe. He is good. He is the good king, but he is not safe. That's Jesus. And then hopefully I'm making some people think and a little uncomfortable. They're like, what do you mean Jesus isn't safe? Everybody's icy people to this or whatever. What do you mean he's not safe? Jesus is good. Jesus is perfect. He's the perfect king. He's the perfect leader. But here's the reality. In our eyes, in our uh, perception of what safety and comfort is, Jesus is not those things. Jesus is not having a million dollars in your bank account and having the best health insurance and living in a safe neighborhood and all those things to where we're like, hmm, now I can really go after the Lord. Jesus is like, actually, I want you to, maybe not always, but I want you to get rid of some of those things if they're preventing you from coming after me. The story of the rich young ruler, right? Sell everything you have and follow me. And he's like, ooh, don't want to do that. Now, I don't. I, I want to make a note here. I'm not saying leave here, go sell everything you have and all that. But the reason that Jesus told that to the rich young ruler was because that was the thing that was in between him and Jesus. All of his possessions, all of his money was the idolatry, the, the thing that he fixed his gaze on. And so when Jesus put his finger on that thing, he was like, ooh. Not interested in that. And so, the Lord does the same to us. All right, let's go into Scripture before you guys kick me out of here and call me a heretic. All right, so, Luke 14, and we're going to start at verse 25. So, um, I love this about Jesus. If you read the Gospels, any time a great crowd begins to gather, like a massive crowd is gathering around Jesus, Jesus is like, watch this teaching I'm about to give. And people are going to go run. Jesus was not interested in gathering the biggest crowd. So, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now that is a good intro, this message. I was going to go to John 6, but I was like, let's just, we'll go to Luke, Luke 14. John 6, if you're familiar, where all these, all these crowds are gathering around Jesus, and Jesus says, listen, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, I'm this guy is weird, I'm out of here. Why does, Je- why does Jesus do that? So you hear a great crowd gathers, and he says, listen, unless you hate your family, you can't be my disciple. And they're like, what is this guy talking about? 
There's a reason that Jesus spoke in parables and riddles. And there's a reason why he always said that those who have ears to hear, hear. Because Jesus is saying, actually, underneath the surface level, there's great revelation and great truth for you if you will actually see my heart and know that I am the perfect leader, I'm the perfect king, and when you follow me, even if you don't understand what I'm doing, if you follow me and you trust me, I will lead you to places and things and people that you never thought were possible with your life. This is testimony of my family's life. I am not special. I know who I am in the Lord. I'm a son. I'm a son of God. I know who I am. I know my identity. But we are no one special. We just said yes to what we felt the Lord is asking us to do. And that option is available to everyone. So Jesus says, verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to bear the power does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he is laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to bear when he was not able to finish. That line right there, I've seen that in all of my life in Christianity. And you all have too. People come, they have an amazing encounter on Sunday morning, they come to the altar, they meet, meet someone, and they give their life. They're like, I love Jesus, I love And then what happens? You know, a week later, a month later, they, you know, they're just they're out of it. They're all off in left field doing whatever. And we've all been there. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. But what's the point of that? The point of that is that that's an emotional response to something that's happening. Instead of actually having a sober mind saying, Jesus, I recognize that you are the perfect leader, that you are the great king, and I yield my life to you. So what, what is, have you ever seen, have you seen a movie before where, movie or show or whatever, where there's like the king sitting on the throne, and someone comes into the great hall before the king? What happens? What does that person do? They bow before the king. And they say, in essence, maybe not with words, in essence, what they're saying is, you are the authority here, you are in charge here, and I yield my life to you. Right? And we see these pictures of like, I, you know, I pledge my sword to you, or, you know, whatever it is that you're watching. But in essence, Jesus is asking us to do the same. He's saying, do you trust me as the good king, and will you yield your life to me, and allow me to wield and use your life as I see fit for the purpose and the advancement of my kingdom, not only on earth, but also after the return of Jesus. So, I know that this is, you know, for some of you, this is right on, and for some of you, this is stretch, this is hard for you. And that's okay, wherever you are here, that's okay. But here's what I am trying to say. I am a living, walking, breathing example of the mercy and the grace of God. I came out of deep sin, deep darkness, deep sin that the Lord took me out of. And He set me on a rock, He set me on a path, and He has been faithful every day of my life. And it has nothing to do with my ability, my talents, my giftings, whatever, because those all come from the Lord anyways. They're His anyway. And so it's a matter of, are we in this life, these 70, 80, 90 years, how many years we get, are we going to give them to Jesus 
and say, I want to serve you. I want my life to matter. Like we just read, the cost of discipleship is your life. If it doesn't cost you anything, it's not worth anything. We're not out here counterfeiting one dollar bills. So I can go to the market and buy a Rolex for five bucks. And it's fake. Getting coffee and things, not worth anything. And unfortunately, especially in American and Western Christianity, we're soft. We're really, really soft. And I'm not trying to condemn, you know, there's no condemnation. Romans 8 1. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are born again, there's no condemnation. That's, that's the work of the enemy. But here's what I am saying is that we need to toughen up. And we need to look at scripture and say, okay, you know, Psalm 90 says, Man's years are 70 by reason of strength 80. Let's just go ahead and pause and meditate on that. Think how old you are. And the word of God says that man's years are 70 or by reason of strength 80. God's thinking. And, and when we die and we stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, let me get out your church attendance, Lord. Mm. I saw a month you missed two summers in a row. One is pulling that to me. He's not interested in that. And I love the, the gathering of the body of Christ. I love gathering with saints and exalting Jesus. I love it. Love it. So, and this scripture says, you know, don't forsake the gathering of brethren. I get it. But here's what I am saying. When we stand before the Lord, we're going to have to give an account of our life. And that's, that's serious. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about, you know, saved, not saved. I'm talking about believers. When you stand before Jesus, Jesus is going to be like, yes, you've accepted me as Savior, but did you accept me as King? American Western Gospel, Western Christianity, we love Jesus as Savior, we don't love him as Lord. You're like, save me from hell, but let me keep all the things that I want to keep, let me do what I want to do, and then I'm in. And so here's, here's my challenge to you. I, I, I don't know you guys. I don't know. I know some of you. I don't know all of you. But here's, I hope you hear my heart. I, I love you guys. And I can say that because I have the love of Christ in me. I genuinely love you guys. You're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so I am not here to condemn or to make anyone mad or whatever. But here's the challenge that I am presenting to you. You have a choice. And that choice is you can give your life to Jesus, and you can make him the central and first and foremost part of your life each and every day, and you will have the greatest adventure, the most fulfilled life that you could possibly have on the earth. Following Jesus is not boring. Believe that. Being a, being a Sunday Christian is lame. It is. You know, believe me, I was having fun in the world. You know, I didn't come here to, to you know, put on a three-piece suit. That's why I say that three-piece suit. I didn't come in here to put on a three-piece suit and come to church on Sunday for, uh, I came to see the kingdom of God come and that Jesus would be manifested on the earth. And when we pray for people and when we pray for cities and when we pray for things, things happen. Things change. Jesus is manifested. And so, so that I, again, I have to, all right, all right. I'm sure my notes make sure I'm not way off of the way you do. Okay, so 
one of my favorite illustrations to give to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is just a kingdom and Jesus does what he wants and it's not a democracy is this. I love, I probably wouldn't love it if I was one of the other disciples, but I love in the gospel where Jesus does all of these amazing things and he's like, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. The rest of you stay here. I love this. Because it happens over and over and over. At some point, we're disciples who are like, hey man, I want to come raise the dead. I want to see you raise the dead. I want to go on a Mount of Transfiguration. Like I, so three, three examples. Number one, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is like, Peter, Peter James, Peter James and John, you come with me. We're going to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. You're going to see me glorified. You're going to hear the voice of my Father. You're going to see Elijah. And he's going to have this amazing encounter. So they go and they're like, whoa, that's amazing. Meanwhile, I think down the road about the disciples have this demonic first, demonic uh, possession, and they, they don't know what to do. Meanwhile, Peter, James, and John have this amazing encounter. They come down, they take care of that. Another example, the raising of Jairus' daughter. If you know the story, Jesus is like, hey, we're going to go raise this dead girl. Peter, James, and John, you come. The rest of you stay here. They go, raise the girl from the dead, amazing. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to be crucified, getting ready to be betrayed by Judas and crucified. He's like, I, I am, you know, I know that my time is short. I know that the time is at hand. Peter, James, and John, you come with me. We're going to go pray. The rest of you stay here. Democratic American church? You know. Everybody's gone. Church is closed. Why? Because everyone is offended. Well, that's not fair. That's not democratic. Everyone should get a vote. Everyone should get that vote. Jesus does not operate that way. He sits them up and he sits them down. He raises them up and he and he disperses his power, his gifting, his anointing as he sees fit. So we have a choice. If we can come into alignment with Jesus and his leadership and trust that everything he does is good and it is perfect. He's the perfect judge. He's the perfect king. He's the perfect son. He's the perfect bridegroom. He's the perfect leader. We can come into agreement with that, or we can actually say, you know what, Jesus, I got a few suggestions. Your leadership style is not really getting it done here. You're offending some people. A lot of people are leaving the church, not really interested. Maybe we should change a few things here. You know what? I'm going to implement some changes in my personal life and maybe in the church life or my ministry or whatever, and, and then we can have a conversation. And this is, unfortunately, this is what Western American Christianity ultimately has gone down the path of. We want to appease the people, and if the people are appeased, the people will come. If the people will come, they'll write the check, the money will come, we can have bigger buildings, better programs, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not against any of those things, okay? I don't want I, I, I want you to hear my heart. My heart is this. We need to lay our life down at the feet of Jesus. And like we read in Luke 14, this is not an emotional, rah-rah sermon. This is a sober moment before the Lord where you are like, you know what? There are all these things that are between me and Jesus. And I don't want those things between me and Jesus. And some of those things can be sin, simple things. And some of those things are actually, you know, quote-unquote good things, blessings of the Lord, 
that have actually come between you and them. You know, it can be a job, it can be a family, it can be, you know, whatever blessing that the Lord has actually bestowed upon you and has now become um, actually an idol in our life. So I, I encourage you, we're going to, um, we're going to close in a minute, but the question that I'd like to pose to you is this. Will you give your life to Jesus? And everybody's like, what? I'm saved. I did that. Then let me pose it this way. Will you give your life to Jesus the King? Not just Jesus the Savior. Will you bow before the King and say, Lord, I'm asking that you would give my life for your glory. And this is the Son of the Lord. Because some of you are like, nope. Not right now, no. Not interested in that. I'm good where I'm at. Let's just be real. And some of you can feel, some of you can feel this hitting your heart right now. And you're like, I know that that's, that that's for me, or I'm feeling that on my heart. And so, that's my challenge to you is, Will you lay your life down to the Lord? And this is, you know, this is the way of the kingdom that we, we pledge our loyalty to Jesus the King. I know I don't have some groundbreaking word for you, some groundbreaking, you know, amazing expository, you know, exegetical word. I could do that. I just felt like this is what the Lord wanted to do. So, we're going to pray corporately. I think Mike, you're going to pray corporately. So, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray corporately over you. And if you, I, I would love to pray with you. Some of you are like, no, I don't need that. That's fine too. But if you want to come pray by yourself, if you want me, can we get some music? Can we just get somebody like on a guitar or something? Just not like violating the order of service or something. Um, so, and it's okay. Listen, there's no condemnation, there's no shame. If this is not for you, if you're like, no, I'm doing that right now, I'm good. Or some of you are just like, nope, not doing that today. You know, that's between you and the Lord. I'm not, I'm not Jesus, I'm not your Savior. But here, here's the reality is that there is an invitation in this place to either for the first time say, Jesus, I want you as king of my life. I want you as Lord of my life, not just Savior. I want, I want to lay my life down before you, and I want to follow you wherever you go. And I want to be obedient to what you're asking me to do. And some of you have done this before, and maybe, you know, through the situations in life, things happen in life to where, you know, maybe you've lost touch or maybe, maybe you've gone cold. And I'm speaking to myself, too. You know, we just had, my wife and I just recently, we just had a rough, rough month, you know, sickness. And we had ear infections, we got all the ear infections, and we got like a flu bug, and then it was just like, you know, just a lot and some other bad news too. So, you know, I get it. Discouragement comes in, things happen. I totally get it. But there's a time and a place where we can come before Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to be the, I genuinely want you to be the Lord of my life. I genuinely want you to be the King of my life. Because Jesus is King, no matter what. So the question is, are we going to come under his leadership? Or are we going to continue to try to do things in our own strength and in our own will?
This podcast has been recorded live at Crosswalk Community Church. Services are held every Sunday at 10 a.m. at 925 South Telegraph Road in Monroe, Michigan.